Welcome to this week's episode of If You're Happy, Do You Know It? And today's guest is Ronaldo Lawrence. Ronaldo Lawrence has been around in my life since the very first job that we ever did as a production company back in 2002, as you will hear on the podcast. He comes and goes in and out of my life, and whenever he's in it, he makes me super happy because, as you'll hear, he's just such a positive force for good in the world. He's also an author, he's an educator, he's a motivational speaker, um, and I could just listen to him chat all day long. Um, So hopefully you will find the same pleasure in listening to him chat about his life and what makes him a happy person. Thanks very much for listening. As ever, if you enjoy, please do review, subscribe, rate us, refer to us in your thoughts. Thank you. There's no hard entry. I'm just sort yep. of we're just we're just chatting. Let's do it. So, Ronaldo Lawrence, welcome to the podcast arena in which you sit. Well, thank you very for, much. And this is if the... you're happy, do you know it? Um, quick intro for people listening. Uh, we've known each other on and off since 2003, yes. maybe even slightly earlier than that. Yes. Um, you were very inspirational, even then. So, well, thank you, Stu and I was starting this business at the age of seventeen, and the ver- the very first job that we confirmed to do as a production company was to make um, a series of I guess I don't know what you'd even call it educational resource at STB called Making It Happen. Yep. Uh, and I think the first time we met you, we were doing a kind of test shoot for it, and we interviewed you at your house. Yep. And I came with my mum, who was working yes, on the you project did. at yes, the same time. Yes, you uh, did. And uh, I just I remember coming back from that with my mum going, we love that guy. You just had like such a warm presence well, and an interesting story to tell. I appreciate that. Thank and you. just full of inspiration. And I just always remember, even back then, it was like, I want that guy around. I want like I feel good about that guy. So uh, when I was thinking of doing this podcast, I was like, got to get Ronaldo back in here. I think you've got a lot to say on the subject of happiness with kind of life goals and where we're going and what we're doing in life. And you've written on the subject yes, quite I extensively. Have. Yes. So with that in mind, welcome mm, thank and you. happiness. Thank you. What is it? <laughs> in your mind, what is it? Well, I think happiness is happiness is different for everybody. Um, for me, happiness is making sure that everybody I come in contact with feels better about themselves when I've left them. Oh, to me, that's happiness. Yeah. To me, happiness is trying to ensure that my immediate family understands the love that I have for them, mm-hmm. and the people that I work with understand that I'm going to be totally honest with them. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be extremely transparent. Um, and my mom used to say something to me. She used to say that it doesn't matter whether anybody like you. What matters is that they respect you. Mm. 
Mm. And that has been the thing that has driven me, you know, and I've tried to raise my kids the same way. I've just tried to make sure that they understand that the world can be what you make it. Mm. It really can be what you make it. And once you get past the world owes me something, Mm-hmm. And you understand that you, the world doesn't owe you anything and you owe the world. I think <laughs> life becomes very interesting after that. Wow, yeah. Mm. That is, uh, yeah, that's a really nice, that's like a, the, the very famous John F. Kennedy quote, almost. Ask not what your country can do for you, yes. but you're talking about the world. Yes. I like that. Like, yes, yes. What do you owe the world? So how do you, how do you kind of, um, how do you elaborate on that? What do you owe the world? What do you think? What do you think you owe the world? I owe the world my gifts. Mm-hmm. I owe the world my creativity. Mm. I owe the world everything that I've been placed here to do has been placed within me. Yeah. And I think life's purpose is like this. I think all of us, our journey encompasses us trying to find what gifts we have mm. and then developing those gifts that enhances people's lives who we come in contact with. Yeah, And I think that's what it's all about. And I think where people sort of fall down in life is when they've been knocked down, they forget the creativity, they forget, forget the loveliness, they forget the things that they really wanted to do at a younger age because life sort of gets in the way. Yeah, And I've just made up my mind that regardless of what life brings me, I'm going to do the things that make me Mm-hmm. my immediate family, and everybody I come in contact with happy. And, you know, I do something right now, I think that's one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life is I mentor around about, it's about 25, 30 kids back in the States in elementary school, so in primary school. Mm-hmm. And so once a month we do video conference with them. You know, I have a brand of T-shirts, and I have a line of comic books coming out now, and so we send them to the kids. Oh, wow, and okay. You know, my whole thing is if I can get one of those kids to believe that they can do anything that they want to do, then my whole life would have been worth it. My whole life would have been worth it. Yeah. And I just want them to understand that no one else decides what you're going to do with your life unless you allow them to. Mm -hmm. If you get an education and you do the right things, 95% 95% of the time, things will work out for you. But you've got to design your life instead of just trying to live your life. Whew. That's uh, mm. that's at once inspirational and weighty because I think um, even that, I feel like, comes with pressure, right? It does. Like it comes with a responsibility to yourself, which is kind of sometimes the hardest responsibility to live up to is like to yourself. You can live up to other responsibilities. I was talking to a friend earlier about um, she was feeling very anxious and and down because like the career is not the career that she wanted. And, you know, like uh, an awful lot of people feel that way. And and it's so hard to see a way out because it's like, well, I need to do this because I need to make rent and I need to do, you know, and it's like basically listing a long old list of responsibilities But the responsibility, I guess what you're saying is like learning to recognize the responsibility to you. But I think the question is, whose life are you living? 
Yeah, yeah. Are you living the life that somebody wants you to live or you think somebody wants you to live? Mm-hmm. Or are you living the life that you really want to live? Yeah. And I think when you come to the point where you're doing what makes you happy, then you're living a fulfilled life. Mm. And I think a lot of us go around and a lot of us look at and we deal with all these pressures of, I need rent here, I need rent there, I need this, I need that. Mm. And I think if you sit back and look, you will see just how blessed you are. Mm. The first thing is you got a job. That's the first thing. The second thing is you've got all your faculties. Mm -hmm. The third thing is you can get up and you can walk around and the fourth thing is, if you believe it, you can achieve it. Yeah. But you need a plan. Yeah. yeah. You need a plan. Yeah. And a plan, not to me, to me, a plan doesn't mean that you sit up here and you say, well, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. To me, a plan is you write the main goal and then you write the steps. And then you mm. do one thing per day to reach that. An example is the comic books I have. Mm. You know, for three weeks, I sat around and think, ah, oh, I should do it. Maybe I should do it. <laughs> I said, but I came up with all these excuses, but I can't draw. But I, and then I just I went on Fiverr. I found somebody in Venezuela oh, yeah, yeah. to do all of my cartoons for me. <laughs> I just sketched <laughs> out everything, yeah, yeah. sent it to him. We correspond back and forth. Yeah. He dropped the Photoshop files to me. And what I was able to do is use the Photoshop files in a lot of other frames. Wow. You know, I'm about to go to Rome. When I get in Rome, what I'm going to do is I'm going to shoot video for the kids back at home so they can see what Rome looks like, so they can have the ambition to try to get to Rome themselves. Oh, We're going to wow. turn it into a comic book. So when you click on one of the frames in the comic, it yeah. will then open up into a video where you can actually see what I'm talking about yeah. in Rome. Yeah, yeah. Say, for instance, the Colosseum. <laughs> and the whole idea is not to say, oh, look where I am and look what I'm doing. The whole idea is to give these kids an idea of what the world looks like mm-hmm. and what's possible. Because when I was growing up, I had one guy who took me out of St. Matthews, Kenneth Creekmore. I used to play saxophone. He took me out of St. Matthews. The world was a very close place to me before that. Mm-hmm. I had another gentleman, Mr. Oscar Dason, who opened the gym for us all the time on the weekends mm-hmm. for us to play basketball. And we never could figure out why he's opening the gym on the weekends. And then I went back home two years ago. He's about 91 now. And he said to me, he said, well, what time does the clubs close? <laughs> I said, well, they close about 2. He said, well, what time does the club open? I said, open well, about 9 to 10. See, he closed the gym at 11 o'clock. So right. by the time you got out, had a shower, drove to the clubs, it was, it was closed. Yeah. So in, in essence, he was saving our lives. Wow. And I never forgot that. I, I never wow. forgot that. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to do the same what they did for me. Yeah. somebody else and and now with the internet it doesn't matter the distance yeah yeah it doesn't yeah, matter course. the distance you know we, we we've spoken about that a bit with with different guests this idea of um and actually weirdly it's been it's been usually quite a, a not a negative but a a warning sign of that i was saying yesterday that i feel like we with Instagram specifically, that's kind of like the social media yeah. I end up going on. Like, yeah, because I'm vis- visual and like pictures are quick, like things yes. that I can just scroll through and and I post a lot of cat pictures of my own cats. That's <laughs> that's just what I do. Okay, that's fine. But um, but uh, I feel like Instagram now is the global equivalent of I grew up in the nineties where we didn't have the internet yet, yeah. but it was just before that in the, on the cusp where you'd be... Um, it's the same idea as like constantly your neighbours and your friends 
constantly showing you their photo album yes. of the best things they ever did, right? Yes. But it's now on a global scale. Yeah. So your your tribe, the people that are around you, are actually all over the world. And depending on how many you want to follow, you can see all of their photo albums at yes. all times and all these curated pictures of them yes. being happy, eating the best food, living yeah. the best life, going to the best gym, all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And it can be, and I think it is for a huge amount of people, so detrimental. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But what's really nice there is that you've immediately found what's really positive about the fact that there is a, a global community because the the opportunity then to interact with people like yourself um, is actually endless. And yes. the opportunity for you to change lives um, and for the readers. Uh, yes. yes. <laughs> who do we... Um, just tell us a little bit about... You, you talk about kids back home. Yeah. Uh, we can probably tell you're American from the voice, yes, but yes. you you were from, is it South, South Carolina? Carolina? South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina. But you now live in... in I live in, in Walking. In, in Walking, yeah, in, near in, London. So. Whoever would have thought. Yeah. <laughs> so a bit of a change. But mm. um, but you're, so you, what you're saying is you're helping the kids back in South Carolina. Is that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I am. And But, but the Instagram thing, mm. you know, Instagram is just a way of people to show one snapshot in their life, one moment. Mm. And it's interesting because I look at Instagram as inspiration mm. because I pick the people I want to follow. Mm -hmm. I pick the things I want to see. And then I aspire to do some of those things. Yeah. So because you have something, I'm extremely happy for you. <laughs> yeah. Jealousy does not enter my world. Mm -hmm. I'm extremely happy for you. And if God has blessed you with that, mm -hmm. then he can bless me with that. Yeah. So you must have done something to get that. So obviously what you did to get that, mm -hmm. I need to find out what it is if yeah. I want that. Yeah. Um, and I think what is happening in terms of me and the students back, uh, uh, the kids back home is <clears throat> my mom is 92. Oh, wow. And my mom had six kids. And the wonderful thing about my mom, I've seen my mom give the shirt off her back to somebody who didn't have something. I've seen it literally. Mm -hmm. um, people used to always be around our house and she would feed them all the time. And the thing I learned from my mom was that the world is what you make it. Mm -hmm. And regardless of what you think about the world, the next day is going to come. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do for yourself? And more importantly, once you've done it for yourself, how can you then help somebody else? Mm. Um, you know, I've been really fortunate, man, because I have worked hard to place myself in a position to be successful for what I want to do. But I'm under no misillusion that any place or anything that I've done is on the shoulders of somebody else. Right. Is on the shoulders of my grandfather. Mm -hmm. Is on the shoulders of my great great grandfather, my yeah. father, my mother, and I will never let them down in terms of not doing the right thing. Right. Um, the, the craziest thing to me is that I have children. <laughs> oh my God! And they're I not still, young children. They're right? not yeah. young. Were well, they twenty seven? <laughs> yeah. And, yeah well. <laughs> Andrew's twenty eight now, and, and you still haven't worked it out. Yeah. I still haven't worked it out <laughs> because I don't ever feel I'm, I'm responsible so. enough to have kids. Wow. But the one great thing about having kids is that they will make you check yourself. Yeah. They will make <laughs> you check yourself. So you have to reevaluate yourself constantly. I reevaluate myself a lot constantly. Yeah. You know, because this world will take you down a different path if you're not careful. Oh, yeah. You know, so. That is, uh, that's amazingly inspirational. 
In the sense of like your kids are grown yeah. adults and you still haven't worked out that you're responsible or not. Still I think that for out. all of those out there, <laughs> including myself, that go, I can't have kids, I can't look after myself. Um, that is really reassuring oh, <laughs> to know you still have And they're doing really well. So, you know. <laughs> well, you know, they're doing incredibly well. Jessica is the, uh, my daughter is the uh, social media manager for You Magazine. Oh, wow, okay. And yeah. Andrew played in the 2012 Olympics yeah. for Great Britain basketball, and he's now playing in Rome. You wow, know? So, yeah. So both of them are very much, they're go-getters. You know, yeah. They don't wait for anybody to give them anything. They are ambitious, and they go get what they want. And they're happy. Oh, they seem to be happy to me, and to me that's what it's about. You know, and do you feel like you actively instilled that in them? Because that definitely, to me, I don't know your kids, but to me that seems like that came from you, right? Well, my wife is incredible. My wife is absolutely incredible, man. Um, but I think what happened is kids are a product or a byproduct of their home life. Mm -hmm. So my kids understood that in the mornings they had to go to school and funny enough, I taught my son. So they went to the same school I was in. And they just saw that regardless of how I felt, I had a job to do. So I got up and did it regardless of how I felt. Yeah. And I think that sort of snowballs and they understand. And so regardless of how they feel about something, they understand that if there's a job to be done, they need to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and my wife has been instrumental in that. You know, she's been extremely instrumental in setting the direction of the household. You know, and my household is a household of work. My household is a household of um trying to do what's best for everybody in the household and not just mm -hmm. trying to be selfish. Yeah. Although sometimes, of course, <laughs> yeah. with the kids, it does creep in. You're not but perfect. Yeah. No, yeah. nobody's perfect. Yeah. Mm. So, um, tell me a bit about your your kind of life growing up. Then, in uh, you know, you know, in yeah. different country and and what that was like. I'm thinking back specifically to 2002 when I remember your story about working on the farm when you were a yes. kid and all of that, and like how that kind of shaped your incredibly positive but also quite pragmatic look on life now how do you think that kind of shaped you from when you were a kid um i i, I think what happens is again talking about environment mm. um my grandfather had us up at five o'clock in the morning well <laughs> saying he had us he had me up with my older brother right um, because we, i chose to live on the farm with him uh, okay. so i used to come home from school to my parents house and i used to walk two and a half miles just to be with him <laughs> and because it was just a certain feel when I was there with he and my grandmother. And so on the weekends, every morning we would get up on the weekends and we had something to do. So if it wasn't butchering hogs, it was, it was cleaning up. You know, it was feeding the animals. It was horseback riding, you know. And my grandfather taught me the value of you. Mm -hmm. He taught me the value of hard work. He mm -hmm. taught me the value of being appreciative for the little things. And my grandmother, interesting story, man, my grandmother used to bake pies. And my grandmother would set the pies in the windowsill. Yeah. And every single time, there was one or two pies that would always go missing. And I was like, what the world? <laughs> but what I didn't realize then till later on was she set those pies there for people in the neighborhood that were hungry, that didn't have food, so they would come and get the pies. Oh, wow. And that in itself showed me that the world is about how you help other people. The world is about how you take your life and you let your life mean something mm. to somebody else. Because anybody can be selfish. Anybody can love themselves. But it's very difficult to give everything you've got to somebody else mm -hmm. 
and just to make sure that they're okay too, you know. Um, growing up, um, I had the most magnificent time in terms of friendships. I, I had a lot of people who just were interesting you know, to be around. <laughs> and um, I grew up, um, we had segregation when mm -hmm. I grew up. Yeah. Um, I remember the colored toilets. You know, um, I remember, but the thing I really remember is my grandmother and mother never went into that. Right. You know, they always was like, I had the most joyous childhood. Yeah. And I just saw, I saw happiness. Mm -hmm. I saw success. And my great, great grandfather was one of the richest men in South Carolina. You know, he oh, was, wow. he was yeah. given God knows how many acres by the slave master who owned him at the time. And he ended up being one of the richest men in South Carolina. <laughs> and so my grandfather inherited all that. Yeah. So when I was growing up, we had land. And yeah. my grandfather worked, he worked a farm. But whenever he needed money, he would just sell some land. Oh, wow. You know, and so yeah. I, and we look back in our history and I saw royalty. Mm. I, I saw from Sierra Leone, yeah. I saw royalty in the family line. And so I've always felt as though I was more special than... You know, anybody just walking the streets in terms of I could provide for myself mm -hmm. and I didn't care what anybody else said about me. I knew me. Mm -hmm. And ever since from a young age, I just knew who I was. And I knew what I wanted to do, but I couldn't articulate it then. Yeah. But it's funny how life revolves. And then after a while, you start seeing things. Yeah. But yeah. the best thing about my life is I made mistakes. <laughs> it's the best thing about my life because making mistakes allow me to appreciate what you do now. You know, so. Yeah, I I I'm a big believer in in not just making mistakes but failing. Yes. Uh, yes. If you, if all you ever do is get handed stuff and success and or even perceived success like certain presidents perhaps, you know, think that they, you know, like where do you ever get humility from? Where do you ever work out how to deal with like hard things or tragedies or anything like that. There was a, I don't know if you've seen any of this, the new Jim Carrey show, Kidding. No, um, I no. I think it's a Showtime show. The very first episode he's talking to, he's like a children's entertainer. I'm not going to spoil any of this, but he's talking to another character about wanting to do an episode about death for the young children that watch it. And they don't want to do that. They want to mm -hmm. touch that. They want to do an episode about colors. And he said the most amazing line. It just really choked me up. He's like, kids know the sky is blue. Mm -hmm. They need to know what to do when it's falling. Yes. And I was like, oh, that yes. is, su that is yes. such a good line. That's so yes. good dialogue. Yes. And I just think that's really interesting. Um, looking at like kids today, how overly kind of protected I feel yep. like kids seem to be at the yep. moment. Not always, but a lot of parents are like, we can't give them anything scary. We can't. They can't see anything tragic. They can't taste anything that tastes bad. They should have no horror. They should never experience rudeness or bullying or anything like this. And while I completely get that from the sense of surely you'd never want your offspring to ever be anything but joyous mm -hmm. and happy, um, it's an interesting thing. Where well, what if you what if you grow up and you never experience something hard that's right yeah. that you then Agreed. then because then you go into the real world as a grown-up where stuff's hard and stuff's chaotic and think bad things happen yeah and you have no tools of how to cope, with, how that, to right? cope with them yeah. um 
I was liking it to horror movies as well. Like I used to watch, not like really graphic violent movies when I was a kid. I was, you know, protected enough. But like I loved things that scared me as a kid. Like age appropriate things that scared me as a kid. I loved them because they scared me. They gave me nightmares, but I felt empowered to beat that thing. Yes. That kind of stuff made me genuinely happy because I was like, I've... Yep. I've faced my fear and I've beaten it because I could turn the tape off or yep. I got the TV finished, you know, whatever. Um, and I always feel like people I know as adults who never, who were maybe more protected from scary stuff, they don't like horror movies now. Mm-hmm. I love them. <laughs> um, but they don't like any of that stuff right. now because it's right. like, oh, no, you know, they never learned the tools younger to be able to go, it was scary, but I'm still alive. Mm. I beat it, you know. Well, let me tell you, I had a friend um, whose son's passed, and he had a son. And um, the thing that he said to me, he said, you know, the one thing I've done wrong with my son is I never let him fail. He said, mm. I always praise him for everything. And he said, now he's the most insecure individual I know. Oh, and I just thought that was really interesting. You know, yeah. I just thought that was really interesting. You know, one of the things I did for my son when um when Andrew was growing up, um, Andrew would, would he was about eight, and we had a period of about two weeks where he would just beg for everything. Can I have this? Can I have this? Yeah. Can I have this? Please can I have this. I said okay. So what we did actually he was ten. So what we did was we went to London, and one of the worst things I think society has allowed to happen is homelessness. Mm-hmm. But I took him up and I showed some people who didn't have what he had. And I wanted him to understand that he was very blessed. Mm. Andrew never really asked me for anything after that. I think wow. it traumatized him a little. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he never asked me for anything after. And I just wanted him to understand that, but by the grace of God, that could have been me. Yeah. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah. One paycheck sometime away from being on the street. Yeah. And that's why it it, it just... When you were saying about your friend and worrying about this and worrying about that yeah. and worrying about this, one paycheck from being on the street. Mm. And I think sometimes if you sit back and reflect on what you actually have, and I think that's the problem with people, is people tend to think too much of what they don't have. Yeah. Oh, instead yeah. of realizing just how blessed they are with what they do have. Mm. You know, and so I, I have a I have a thing, man, I do every night before I go to bed, is I will write down the three things that I thought something I did the previous day was amazing. Mm. So when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I read those three things. So before my foot even hit the floor, I'm already on a positive note. Wow. The other thing I do that's very interesting, my grandmother taught me. She said, when you go to bed, and I wear these Mm flip-flops. She said, when you go to bed, take your flip-flops, kneel down and put them all the way under the bed. And she said, while you're down there, say a prayer. (laughs) Yeah. And so I've I've followed that, you know, and wow. I found that through To this day you still To this day I do day. that. And you're what, thirty two now? That's, Me? that's oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, no. <laughs> to this day I do it. And to this day, man, I am forever grateful for every morning that I get up. I'm forever grateful for every breath that I take. I had uh-huh. um I'm coming up now to um October sixteenth, two thousand eighteen, where um 2017, where my friend Kevin Cato died. Mm. Um, and we're in 2018 now, so it's about to be a year. Yeah. And I speak to Kevin every morning, mm-hmm. all through the day, yeah. 
and every night before I go to bed. And I understand now that he was brought in my life for a specific reason. And I understand now that the impact he had on my life, I never really thought about it until his death. I, I just never really thought about it. And everything that I do, every book that I write, every speech that I give, because I'm doing motivational speaking now. I'm like, wow, I got okay. a gig tomorrow at the O2. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and everything that I do, I always mention him first. And if I'm speaking, there's always an image of him. Yeah. And in my books, in the first two pages, there's always something about him. And because I just feel that the world needs to remember him, mm-hmm. you know, and and because he's meant so much to me, you know. Yeah. So I think it depends. Man, it depends on how you want to live your life. You know, a long time ago, I learned that heading out and partying all the time ain't exactly gonna get it <laughs> because that the next day I got no money, mm. I don't feel great, yeah. <laughs> and I've accomplished nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying don't go party because I did my share party. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying it comes to a point in your life where what are you going to stand for? Mm. What are you going to do to make the world a better place? You know. And do you think that um, that knowing that you strive to stand for something, knowing mm-hmm. that 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 brings you a sense of contentment of ha- of happiness in your own life? Man, I am so peaceful. Yeah, I mean, you feel pe- you're Dude. chilling me out. <laughs> I feel so much I better. <laughs> am so peaceful. Yeah. I am, I am just I am peaceful because. My grandmother, my mom, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather went through so much for me to feel this peace. Mm. They went through too much for me not to feel peace. Right. So I am so grateful for what they endured and all the people then for what they endured until I'm good. Yeah, yeah. I'm good, man. Yeah. I'm good. That's great, yeah. (laughs) I'm good. I think that, um, that, that... Such a lovely, simple thing that you do before bed, the writing down three things. Yes. Um, I've definitely talked to a previous guest about how our the human brain seems to be so good at focusing on what went wrong yep. in any given day, in yep. any given year, yep. in any given, you know, like the amount of people that say, oh, this has been a shit year because yep. these th- terrible things happen, like... And I think if you could just if if someone could come along and like download your memory of a year and put the pros and the cons in two different columns, would it really add up to if you just use maths, yeah, would it be a shit year, or would it be actually kind of a good year uh you know because you had like five hundred great things happened. um but again, it's perspective I think but you, but like, you, if you want to get some perspective, drive by a graveyard, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You want some perspective? Yeah, yeah. Drive by a graveyard and just sit and look. Yeah. That'll give you a lot of perspective. Yeah. Oh, really interesting. <laughs> Speaking of perspective, I just want to go back to, um, you said about using the colored toilets and stuff yes. when you were growing up. Yes. So, like, obviously, I'm a straight white guy from England. Yeah. These are not things that I ever would have experienced. And it's just, it's sort of, I guess it's kind of, we just don't understand. No, no. And from it, a different point of view, but it's no. something that, like, genuinely upsets me. I think um, the way some of the world is now that, yeah. that feels like we're going backwards with some things. Agreed. 
when you're a kid in that situation and you've already said you had a joyous childhood, mm-hmm. these things didn't bother you and that's so great. But like, how does it, if you can remember how it feels to be a kid and your surround, your society, your surroundings are saying there is a difference Yes, because of the color of your skin. Yes. There is a difference. You go there yep. and they go there. Yep. And I'm assuming that you go in there your toilets and your drinking fountains and where you go are not as well-kept and not as expensive as the other ones, right? So, like, how do you how do you grow up and go, I make peace with that somehow? <laughs> it's just... Um, well, my grandmother used to always tell me that ignorance is an amazing thing. Mm. And she used to always say to me that if you've not been exposed to things... Is ignorance. Yeah. And I've just, man, um, I looked at that stuff and I look at it now and I still think about it sometime now, but I don't think about it in the negative connotations. I mm. think about it as fuel for fire. Right. Because I know that here in England, there's a good chance that 85% of the places I go, I'm going to be the only African-American person there. Mm-hmm. So that means I am representing my family, my grandfather, my grandmother. Mm -hmm. So I have to be twice as good. Wow. Okay? I have to be twice as good. So I spend a lot of time preparing for that. I spend a lot of time studying. I I spend a lot of time making sure that I'm good enough for me Mm -hmm. and I'm good enough for my family and that when I step out in the world, I'm good. And I think a lot of that has to do with peace, you know, and, and, yeah. and I think a lot of that has to do with having gone through what I've gone through and not forgetting about it or not flipping the switch, but understanding that, you know, I, I, an example is I cannot tell you how many times I looked at my father and just thought he was demoralized mm. by what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And I can feel that right now for mm. what he felt. And I just made up my mind that I never was going to feel that. And understanding that at that point in time, there was very little that they could do. Yeah. You know, and we live in a very different time now in terms of education because you can get an education. You no longer have to wait for somebody to, to allow you to go to school. YouTube is a school in itself. Yeah. The Internet is a school in itself. And then there's these magical places that they have called libraries. <laughs> okay, that you yeah. can educate yourself whenever yeah. you want to. And so I've always thought that, man, if you want to get better, it first starts with education. Yeah. And, you know, if you can go out and you can educate yourself to a certain level, it's amazing what happens is when you, as an individual, you take the first step. It's amazing what happens because then things start to open up. Yeah. Things start to open up. And what people don't do is they don't take the first step. Yeah, yeah. They rather wallow in the negativity than look toward what might happen. Yeah. You know, and I've just decided, man, that I'm going to look toward what will happen, not might. I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make my dreams come true because at one point in time, I'm not going to be here. Mm. But I guarantee you, 
I guarantee you that my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and my great-great-grandchildren would know who Rinaldo Lawrence was <laughs> because he will leave the books here and he will leave all the materials that he's written mm. and he will do things to make people understand that his life was well-lived and not in a selfish way. And that's, that's the bottom line, man. That's it. You know, so I'm at peace, dude. I'm yeah. at a real peace, man. I'm good. That, uh, I don't. Yeah, I usually do end up crying a little bit on these, but that is, the, that is just such a lovely thing mm. to say. That's really nice. Mm. Um, I think it's great. In fact, I think we should probably wrap it up there because I think that's great. Yeah, well, thank you so where much. Can for we, uh, where can we? Where can we find your your materials? Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter, um, Lawrence Ronaldo. Uh, you can buy my book, um, I Am More Than What You See. Mm-hmm. Great uh, book. Um, thank you. Amazon. Um, you can buy it in the comic books on Amazon if you just search for Ronaldo Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, f- um, Facebook, I think it's Ronaldo Lawrence 1. Mm-hmm. And then I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and the other thing that I'm doing, which I'm just so proud of, is I do a lot of work with LinkedIn. And they have right. a company called Lynda.com. Yes, yeah. And yeah. Lynda.com is a video training company. Yeah. So I am able to record courses during the summer, mm-hmm. and then those courses are then let out to the world so I can help educators around the world. Right. Okay. Because I think what happens today, man, is that so many of us, when we think about what we want to do, we compartmentalize into one little neighborhood or one little area. Mm. The world needs your gifts. Yeah. Your gifts are for the world. Yeah. Your gifts were not meant just to to be right here. Your gifts were meant to be spread throughout the world mm. because the world it's important that you do. Matter mm. of fact, the world requires your gifts. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a wasted life, in my opinion. Absolutely, yeah. In I my love opinion. That. And I think that comes back to, you know, looking at the this global community that we now share yeah. as a force for good, as mm-hmm. a positive, that yes. you can do that, yes. that it's not somewhere to just be jealous and to be anxious and to be worried about all the time. But you make choices. Yeah. You make choices. Yeah. Now, on a Friday night, most people will choose to come home and go out. Mm-hmm. I choose to sit down with my computer with an Adobe book and teach myself Premiere Pro and After Effects. <laughs> my choice. Yeah. My choice. Yeah. You know, I choose to sit down and try to find out how to do something in, say, logic mm-hmm. by YouTube. My choice. Yeah. My choice. Yeah. Anybody can do whatever they want. And that's the blessings that you've been given. And it makes you happy. Choice of mine. Yeah. Great. But I'm at peace. Thank you so much for coming my all the way here. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. It's Thank been you really, so really lovely. I think it's, uh, it's, just, yeah, it's just a lovely kind of outlook on life. And I think... You're, you, f- you come across as a truly happy person who wants other people to join you there. No hidden agendas. Which is great. No hidden agendas, no. man. And can it's I just like, say this to you? Yeah. I love you. I love you too, I man. I really do. I love you a lot. I really do. Thank you so well, thank much. Thank you.